Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Okay, okay. Welcome, guys, to episode... I think I got it wrong last week. I think last week I said 227. Guys, this week is 227. And I must apologize. I'm so sorry. I did not get a parenting episode out last Friday. Um, uh, Probably because, you know, it can be pretty hard smashing out two a week. Uh, and I had been in Melbourne um, that week and just got had got back earlier in the week and had a lot to do for academy and church, etc. So I'm sure you guys will forgive me. I'm really sorry. I won't miss this week. Now, we are doing Stranger Things Collection Part 3. And as I said before, it turns out I, guys, am absolutely shocked at how... Um, how many people are listening to interacting with me about this whole thing to do with new age. I'm, I, I literally had no idea. I'm blown away, uh, how much you guys agree and feel and, and have taught me actually about how many things have been creeping into the church. So we're going to continue on that today. Um, thanks for sharing and sending it to other people. Like normally I might hit around, say, seven or 8,000 maybe uh, downloads a month, like listeners a month. But um, since this series has come out, we've been, I've been getting like 10,000. So that's pretty incredible. So anyway, guys, I just wonder where you all, where you all are. I know there's people all around the world, majority in Australia, but anyway, so today I look, I know there's so many new age topics to cover. I don't know how long this series will go for, but it seems to be something that you guys are really hungry for. I've had lots of conversations with you these past few weeks. Last week, we covered manifesting, self-affirmation and yoga. The week before, we actually talked about angels. And uh, it's actually quite funny because after last week's conversation on manifesting, um, my beautiful niece came to visit uh, us here and she's actually looking for a rental property. And she said to me, you know what, Annie Renee, it's all good. I've just got to like manifest it. And I just had a little giggle. I was like, oh my gosh, this is literally what we're talking about. So I think one of our Girl Next Door listeners nailed it when she said to me, she feels like New Age is bringing more carnality into the church. I really couldn't agree more. And I think we've got kind of two issues here. I think some things are New Age, but are either being labeled biblical or at least acceptable. But the other flip side is that I think there are some things that are actually biblical that have been taken by the new age manifesting being one of those. So it's a bit like which is which, what's good, what's not good. Now I put a bunch of things out there and um, a whole heap of options of what you guys might want to listen to. And it turns out that the two things you want to hear about the most are the Enneagram and the other one, which I was really surprised about, you guys want to hear more about self, this whole self-care and what's the balance between the glorification of trauma and getting over trauma. So very interesting. Um, and of course, we've really established last week that one way that the new age is really creeping into the church is this whole focus on self. If you go into any 
new age book section and you look at the back and you look under S in the, in the pages at the back, you'll see a whole heap of things referring to self, self this, self that. So it's pretty amazing. One of Another one of the Girl Next Door listeners sent me um, the back of one of her books. It was crazy. Anyway, today we are going to take a deep dive into the Enneagram. I've called this today, Why You'll Never Want to Use the Enneagram Again. Look, maybe you're going to get to the end of this and go, no, I'm still totally fine with using the Enneagram. But anyway, I thought we would do a really deep dive today. And um, I wanted to start by giving you a little bit of my history with the Enneagram. If you don't know what the Enneagram is, I'll explain it in a minute. It's pretty much a personality test, okay? So this became popular, well, it came across my table maybe maybe two or three years ago when I first heard about this Enneagram and it was from young people in our church and in our church circles, all the rage, all the rage about yeah, amongst young adults, the whole, what personality are you? What type are you? What wing are you? Oh, I'm a type nine wing three, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, what? So I took this test myself and guys, it was really accurate. It described my personality pretty closely. Um, Now I've done personality tests before. I've never really looked into the basis of them. I certainly didn't look into the background of the Enneagram. Most of the ones I thought that I'd done were based on psychology of some sort. Like, you know, the whole are you a, like growing up for me, the popular ones were sanguine, choleric, phlegmatic, or melancholy. Like I knew my personality. I am a, I'm a, I think I used to be a melancholy phlegmatic. I think maybe I've got a bit of choleric in me. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they're the personality tests that I did or the Maya Briggs, right? And I didn't really think much about the Enneagram. In fact, guys, I even did a session on it in the Youth Alive Academy. I did. I got all the students to look up their personality types. But then to my mortification, I heard a podcast from a Christian woman who I love listening to called Ali Stuckey. Now she can be more on even the more conservative. I mean, I'm conservative, but she's even more conservative. So I listened with great interest to her opinion on the Enneagram. And I must say that what I heard did put quite a few doubts in my mind. And then um, I haven't really thought about it a lot since until you guys have asked, you know, please speak about the Enneagram. So let's start with what is it? And then we'll go into a deep dive of where it came from. So basically, it is a tool that maps out nine different personalities, okay? It dives into the strengths and the struggles and the dominant emotions of each type, and then you can go into like, you, you you have like a type, like from one to nine and then a wing. I never got into the wing part of it. Now, basically it's thought to have been an ancient practice that inspires spiritual growth through personality typing. Now, for example, you might've done this. So you would know some of these, like number one is the reformer or the perfectionist. Number two is the helper or people pleaser. Number three is the achiever and so on. Now the Enneagram is also recognizable by its symbol. It's a circle and inside is a star-like symbol with nine points. Kind of looks a little bit like the pentagram. Is that the right word I'm using? 
So where does this nine-pointed star come from? It actually comes from the Baha'i faith. And these apparently, according to the Baha'i faith, the nine uh, points of the star represent the nine great religions of the world. And apparently in Christianity, I don't know if you guys have heard this. I've never heard this before, but it, but I don't know whether Christians are just claiming this to make the Enneagram more Christian-like. But some say that the nine-pointed star represents the nine fruits of the Spirit. I'm not so sure about that. Now, it's become this whole Enneagram test very popular among faith communities. People are using it in leadership spaces, Bible studies, on retreats. Um, Christians see it as like this intersectionality between personality and spirituality, And it's even spiking amongst Christians who are theologically conservative. Uh, People think that it helps us to get to know ourselves better and our teams better so that we can place people in the right positions. It shows us where our blind spots are or our pitfalls. Uh, It helps us to develop a better understanding of ourself. So it's really about knowing yourself uh, so you can better um, improve, improve on your maybe areas of weakness, etc. And Enneagram workshops are used in religious organizations across every denomination, even in Bible colleges, oops, and amongst chaplains. So like I said, Cameron also took the test a few years ago because I made him. It was like really easy online. And you can do like relationship crosses as well. And when we did that, we looked at Cameron's type and my type. It super accurately described our relationship as well. And um, it actually, according to the Enneagram, said that we were an unusual pairing and that if we can manage to stay together, we could take a city or even the world. I thought, okay, that's pretty good. There you go. We do work really well together in Youth Alive and church space. Anyway, so why do Christians think that, you know, it might be okay to use? Well, the Christians who use the Enneagram, if they know anything about it, most people, by the way, don't look into it. You're probably one of those people like I was. You just hear from other people that it's a good thing to use, so you jump on board. Um, But some people consider that early biblical writers and early leaders have always used non-Christian resources, that it's okay to use non-Christian resources to point people back to God. And I would say that is definitely true. You know, for example, Psalm 29 is thought to be a Baal worship song adapted for Yahweh. And, um, you know, we use existing culture to point people to Jesus. So we can take non-Christian resource and grab what is true in them and use it to connect people. Another example would be, guys, I learned this this week and this blew me away. In Acts 17, 28, when Paul talks about in him, we live and move and have our being. Guess what? Paul is actually quoting a Greek poet. So, you know, even Paul was inspired by um, Greek poets. So what we need to do, though, is identify the, the intersection of the Enneagram doctrine and Christian beliefs. You know, is this just a non-Christian resource that could help us understand ourselves better and do better, you know, in leadership or whatever space we're in? So from what I could see too, by the way, Enneagram is actually not backed up from by science. Um, So, you know, if we're going to mix these two things together, aka the Enneagram and Christianity, we need to work out if they line up, you know, if, if, if it's not science backing it. 
um, can these two coexist? Like, where is it coming from? What is it all about? So let's look at where the Enneagram originated. Now, you're going to probably hear some Christians say that it came from Christian teaching, specifically from the Catholic Church in the 1970s. Now, this is partly true, but guys, I'm about to burst your bubble because we have to go back further and ask, well, where did the Catholic Church get it from in the 1970s? So there's some controversy over where it originally originated from. Like I'm talking its ancient, ancient roots, right? Like centuries ago. Those roots have never been confirmed. Some would say it's come from the Kabbalists or the Sufi mystics or other ancient groups, but that's never, um, never been uh, confirmed. Okay. So and that's where I think you get people going, oh, it, it, you know, yes, people say it comes from ancient roots, but it doesn't really, that you can't confirm it. It comes from the Catholics in 1970s. But guys, there's something else in between that we need to know about. So what we do know is that the earliest writings that we have about the Enneagram, which are in the kind of um, 50s, 60s, 70s, actually came from a long line of occultists. So there were some writings of a Russian occultist who attributed uh, the Enneagram to his teacher. Okay, so there was this guy who was an occultist who said he learned about the Enneagram from his teacher. But at that point, and I'm not sure what age we're talking about then, but there was no connection at that stage to the personalities. So where was the Enneagram uh, hooked in to this whole concept of personalities? Now, that didn't happen until the 1960s. So there was another occultist, his name, his last name was Akazo. You're going to hear me talk a lot about these two occultists today, Akazo and Naranjo, I think the other one is, but Akazo, I-C-H-A-Z-O. Now he is the one that claims to have discovered the Enneagram connection to personalities, okay? But there's another guy, Claudia Naranjo, who also claimed the same thing and they knew each other, okay? So uh, so let's go, let's start with Icazo. He says that he discovered the connection and even though he grew up Catholic, from about the age of 19 onwards, he actually explored and participated in all sorts of spiritual practices. So he walked away from his Catholic faith and he practiced things like altered consciousness. He studied mystic Christianity, yoga, alchemy, Buddhism, Zen, and he claimed to have received instructions to do with the Enneagram and the connection to personalities. He said that he got his insight from the spirit Metatron, the prince of the archangels, which I think he said came to him in a dream. So even his own students, so Icazo had a bunch of students where he would teach them about the Enneagram and all of his own students were guided by their own spirit guides. Now, he claimed that he was in a divine coma 
for seven days. Okay. So uh, not a dream. It was a, well, I guess it was kind of like a dream, but anyway, a divine coma, it went for seven days. And during that time, he says that he was entrusted to bring a new accelerated method of spiritual work to the West. And so the Enneagram and the connection with personality came to him in this vision. And he says it was his sole invention. Now, people who want to tell you that the Enneagram came from the Catholics in the 1970s, they either don't know or they won't tell you or they'll dumb down this part. They'll say that Akazo was a Catholic because he grew up Catholic and they don't tell you about this big part of his life where he was basically involved in all demonic occultist kind of um, activities. So he, like I said, had a group of students, about 55 of them, uh, in Africa, and they all sought to reach their human potential by striving to switch from the temporal to the immortal. So it's not sounding kind of very Christian-like, is it? Now, that's a caso. Let's talk about the second man, Naranjo, Claudia Naranjo, N-A-R-A-N-J, yeah, J-O. So he also had been introduced to the Enneagram in his teens, not the personality part, just the Enneagram. Now, he then went on to become a psychiatrist, and then later, Naranjo became a student of Akazo, right? But Naranjo claimed that Akazo really didn't talk much about the personality side of the Enneagram, and it wasn't Akazo that discovered that. It was, in fact, he himself. So we've got both of these men claiming that it was them that developed the personality side. Now, Akazo, as I said, he claims he was in a divine coma for seven days and the spirit Metatron visited him and downloaded all of this to him. Naranjo says that it came to him in automatic writings. Have you guys heard of automatic writing? It's, uh, don't do it. (laughs) It's not a good practice. It's when you write Uh, and you don't consciously think about what you're writing. So it's this whole concept of you turn your mind off and you let your hand do the writing. And the belief is that spirits guide you, a bit like a Ouija board kind of a deal. It's it's a practice used by psychics and mystics. And Naranjo claims also that a spirit called Metatron downloaded this to him through this automatic writings. Okay, so hello again. Not, uh, not any practice that we would be um, wanting to have anything to do with. So in the 1970s, right? Now, this is where the Catholics come into it, okay? In the 70s, it was students of Naranjo who then spread the Enneagram to the Catholic communities. So that's why I'm saying, in part, it's true that the Enneagram became widespread amongst uh, religious communities from the 1970s, from a group of Catholic communities. But that's the part that you're told, but the part you're not told is the part about Naranjo and Akazo and how it spread from them to a group of students to the Catholic communities. So it's only partly true. And then what happened amongst the Catholic community, a few of the Catholics rose up and they became the biggest promoters of the Enneagram uh, in the Catholic community, which made it more widespread. So one of them was a Jesuit, one was a friar, and then there was a Benedictine nun. And those three kind of really pushed it 
through the Catholic community. Now, the interesting thing is Catholics have actually been debating concerns for years about the Enneagram. And meanwhile, while they've been debating, some are all for it, some, um, you know, clearly know the history and the roots. And while they've been debating in the past few years, there's many evangelicals. What do I mean by evangelicals? It's probably a bit of an American term, but it's basically people who are more in the charismatic or Pentecostal movement as opposed to the more traditional. But I will say the Enneagram is not just being used in the evangelical circles. It's also being used in other denominations, but in the past few years, the evangelicals have totally embraced it. And um, I think one of the reasons is we seem to just love a really good tool for classifying people. Uh, So, you know, I mean, back in the seventies, people used their star sign, but clearly that's astrology. So that's not great. But then in the nineties, there was the Maya Briggs test and now it's the Enneagram. And I think one of the main reasons we love these personality tests and we're drawn to them is we don't have personal history with each other anymore, right? Like in the 60s and 70s, people used to pretty much grow up in one place and they didn't move jobs and they didn't move churches and people knew each other's history and reputations. Now we've got a very transient world. People that move around don't stick anywhere for a long period of time. And so these personality tests are a really quick way to identify what someone is like. Um, But this is the thing with the Enneagram. Have you noticed the evangelicals who favor the Enneagram tend to be the younger part of the younger generation and either they don't know the history that I've just explained to you guys or they downplay its history. They just think the Enneagram's great and it's another personality test for just an identifying tool. So both these men, Akazo and Naranjo, claim that the Enneagram came to them by supernatural inspiration. Now, if the supernatural inspiration was not God, guys, then it clearly was demonic. And also, by the way, they both lied and admitted they lied. You can look at it. You can watch this on a in a YouTube in 2010, they lied that the Enneagram about the origins of the Enneagram. And so this again is where some Christians might've been, um, you know, drank the Kool-Aid, let's say, because these guys that did bring the Enneagram and the personality to the forefront in religious organizations uh, claimed that the Enneagram had Babylonian origins. Um, but it's only in 2010 that these guys were like, oh, we actually lied. That's not what the origins were at all. Look, some might say that there are still aspects of the Enneagram that are useful. Um, you know, it it does seem to be a fairly accurate diagnostic tool of personality. Uh, so why why might that be? Because like I said, when I did it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I I remember saying to Cameron, this test is like reading my mail. And then when we looked at his, I was like, oh my gosh, it's reading your mail. It's so accurate. Well, the reason that it's accurate is because the types of questions that they use and the wording of the questions, um, they use this adjective-based lexical questionnaires, which are similar to other diagnostic tests. And so that's why you know, they use these adjectives that we can all identify with, and that's why they seem to be fairly 
or they appear to be fairly accurate. But guys, for me, and I'm sure perhaps for most of you listening, I cannot get past the clearly demonic and occultist roots. Like, what do you think? Do you think that new age oriented tools of self-discovery are okay? You know, we're not talking here about another strength finder or a Maya Briggs. From its inception, the Enneagram has been infused with spiritual significance. And we're not talking good spiritual significance. We're talking demonic and occultist. So in my view, we don't need an Enneagram to tell us our personalities and how to improve ourselves. You know, isn't that what we have God for? The Holy Spirit does that. The Word of God is for that. It's Jesus who dwells within us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He created us. And change doesn't come from my efforts or my works. It comes by my relationship with God. And we certainly don't need the so-called guidance or wisdom from a system made by two men who were deeply entrenched in demonic practices. So in my opinion, there's nothing redeemable about the Enneagram. There is nothing about it that aligns with our Christian faith whatsoever. And in fact, even if I were not a Christian, I would be very concerned about the occultish roots. I would not be wanting to like, you know, have anything or any part of that. So also for those of you that might say, oh, but you know, the Enneagram was given to us by this, uh, the, the, the Catholics, right? Let me just, let me just go into one more thing about that. Now I said to you that there was a Jesuit, a friar and a nun, right? Who popularized the Enneagram into Christianity. Let me just tell you a little bit about one of those uh, people, the friar, his name was Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. And he became this Enneagram expert. He Christianized it, taught it to other Christians. Uh, But this is the thing, and a lot of people did refer to him as this spiritual father, right? But this guy's theology actually contradicts much of what scripture says and is actually not in line with Christian tradition at all. So for example, he did not believe that scripture is the inerrant word of God or that Jesus died as payment for our sins. He also believed that all religions share the same core truths and lead to the same God. He also separates Christ from Jesus and he's got his own theory about this, uh, about um, what's called the cosmic Christ. Now, another view that he had, which by the way, I have had arguments with young adults who think this, that we are not born sinners. Oh my gosh, this person used to always try and tell me that, oh, I don't identify as a sinner. And so again, it comes from um, such unbiblical roots. Uh, so his view, which again, I do hear some young adults um, uh, in agreement with this, that all we need to do is, you know, put off our false selves and discover the divine, you know, within ourselves. Uh, And so this guy promoted the Enneagram as a really good tool as a part of that, of not identifying as a sinner, but, you know, finding the divine within ourselves, which again, completely new age. 
And so he's gained this huge following. And like I said, especially amongst, um, well, probably older young adults now, like the, the millennials, but his teachings really should be avoided. So not a great argument there. Another reason I'm really not a fan at all, apart from all the occultish roots, as if that's not enough, is the Enneagram tends to excuse sin. Well, some people could use it that way if they wanted to. Well, you know, I'm sorry I did that. I just see things the, things this way because, you know, I'm a number two, I'm a number four. Um, and so we can tend to then use our personality to excuse bad behavior, which, you know, that's not kind of how that not kind of that is not how we're meant to you know we're meant to take full responsibility and to ask forgiveness etc and um and then finally the thing that I don't like about it is you've heard me talk last week a lot about this whole self self affirmation self belief um you know people just posting themselves all the time I think we're just really buying into all this and the enneagram again it emphasizes like I said before our self versus Christ. Like, don't get me wrong, guys. Self-awareness is really important, right? And it's a really good thing, but not when it becomes the center of our attention. And have you noticed that people that love the Enneagram are really obsessed with it? It's not just like, oh, I did this personality test and then you forget about it. It like becomes the center of everything, their conversation. They use it to just think about themselves, explain themselves. Oh, I'm... I'm a this. I mean, the amount of people that would say to me, what type are you? What wing are you? And I'd be like, I don't know. I can't even remember. I really don't care. Um, Because guys, our goal is not to become the healthiest number three that we can become. You know, our our goal is to become Christ-like. And like I said, the best and ultimate source for knowing our identity is not an Enneagram based in occultish roots. It is Jesus Christ. It is God himself. It is the Bible because God created you. He knows you best. So there you go. There's my little deep dive. Uh, We did it in half an hour. I thought we might take longer, but there's my deep dive into the Enneagram. Um, I'd be really surprised if any of you really wanted to use it after that. And anyone that does, like if you hear people say to you, oh, I don't care, I'm I'm still going to use it. Ask them if they know the history, and I guarantee you they'll either dumb that history down or they don't know anything about it. Because I, in my mind, I just can't see how you can know the history and still want to participate in it. So there we are. Uh, next week we might hit up maybe this whole self-care and glorification of trauma. Ugh, I feel like I have to really tread carefully on that one. Um, Definitely two sides to that, but there we go. And I will not forget to do a parenting episode this week, guys. I promise you, I will make sure that that is dropped on Friday. Meanwhile, come chat with me, girlnextdoor.podcast, and keep sharing. Whoops. Sorry about that. Sharing, subscribing, and five-star reviews, written reviews. Amazing. They're so helpful. Thank you so much. Love you guys. We'll see you on Friday. Bye.